Okay, so let's do this. Turn to Esther chapter 3. I told you that Esther aligns itself very, very nicely. The chapters aren't inspired, but whoever did the chapters uh, actually is kind of the thought units are following the chapter lines. There's a little overflow like we're going to see here, but it's really nicely uh, done. So here's the deal. Uh, Most of us are experiencing the same thing right now, right? All of us are experiencing the same thing right now. We're experiencing it together uh, simultaneously at the same time. And shared experiences like this, this universal shared experience like this, are very rare in human history. Very rare. But they deeply change human history, and you know that. I mean, we've, we have history because of those things, right? And so these universal shared experiences cut deeply. They, meet, they leave embedded scars in human history. I mean, world wars, 9-11, right? Great depressions, widespread famines, systemic poverty, catastrophic plagues, world conquests, revolutions, overthrows of governments, dark ages, holocausts, right? I mean, it's the stuff of the four horsemen in Revelation. You know the horses that are let loose to ride the earth to and fro. You've got the white horse that's addicted to power and control. It's ultimate narcissism. It's ultimate, I want to be more and self-important. I need more. You've got the red horse which rides spilling blood, violence, war, riots, murder, unloving realities with other human beings, ultimate inhumanity, right? And then you've got the black horse that rides the earth consuming everything good. So it rides and it just takes it for itself. And then behind it, it leaves poverty and famine and plague and injustice. And then you have the ultimate horse, the pale horse. The horse of the ultimate dark power, death, the grave. Shared experiences can leave scars. They can also start something new, whether it's good or bad, but it can start something new. You could have revolutions and movements happen. You can have uh, reformations and revivals happen. And you can have great awakenings and discoveries happen. You can have renaissances and rediscoveries happen. <laughs> Most of us are experiencing the same thing right now, together, universally, simultaneously, <laughs> at the same time. And we're scared. And we're anxious. And we're angry. And we're despairing. And we're uncertain. And we're confused. And we're feeling things we might possibly have never felt before. And we're doing things we might possibly have never done before. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part above it all (laughs) is that God is hidden. God is missing in action. So we stand for the hearing of God's word, Esther chapter 3. 
So after these things, we're going to look at what those things are here in a bit. King Xerxes, just in case you missed the, the, the update, I'm giving you the cultural, everyone knows King Xerxes by Xerxes, not Atarasus or whatever his name is. King Xerxes promoted Haman to Agagite, the son of Hamadetha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai <laughs> did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. They told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. He had disdained Xerxes. They cast pur, that is, they cast lots before Haman day after day. And they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, Hey, there's a certain people scattered abroad, dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people. And they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. So if it please you, king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed and I will pay 10,000 talents. That's half the GNP of the whole empire in a year. Where do you ask? Where, you ask, does this dude have such wealth? Well, you know, he knows how he's going to get the wealth. He's going to take it from all the Jews he slaughtered. Of silver into the hands of the king who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the Agite, the son of Habadetha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also. Do with them as it seems good to you. Then the scribes, the king's scribes, were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and the governors over all the provinces and all the officials of all the peoples to every province in its own script. And this is, the, this is their media. In its own language, it was written in the name of the king, Xerxes, sealed to the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, to the plunder of their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. This is the word of the Lord. All right, y'all, please be seated. Lord, we ask that you would shine on the page. Oh, give us, <laughs> give us the wonders, give us the reality. Give us the word, the meaning of life in this passage, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all, so most of us are experiencing the same thing right, right now, right? Together, simultaneously, at once. So what is the shared experience that's changing us right now? What is the shared experience? Esther chapter 3 says it's this. Are you ready? This is how Esther chapter 3 would interpret what's happening to us right now. It would interpret the major movements of shared experience that have scarred human history or begun new beginnings, whether good or bad, 
in all of human history, in the long time that humans have been around. Here it is. Life is not fair. Look at verse 1. After these things, King Xerxes promoted Mordecai. Well, that's what it should have said, right? Because in Esther 2, just before this chapter 3, uh, 19 through 23, immediately before this, Mordecai saves the king's life, right? Just like a James Bond movie, man. He's at the gate and he sees, some, he sees the bodyguards or the eunuchs that, that guard the king's intimate bedroom, right? And he overhears they're angry. He overhears conspiracy. He overhears an assassination attempt. He saves the king's life. There's an investigation that happens, right? There's an investigation. It says, the text says, it was investigated. They bring the culprits in and they confess. I'm sure they were persuaded, but they confess. And then it tells us in the text that it was all written down in the history books of the Persians and in the king's memoirs. Everybody knew about this. Mordecai is a hero. Verse 1 should read, after these things, King Xerxes promoted Mordecai, but instead it reads, after these things, King Xerxes promoted Haman. Life is not fair. We don't get what we want. We don't get the recognition we want. We don't get the respect that we want. We don't get the love that we want. We don't get the meaningful relationships that we want. We don't get the productive, invigorating, energizing work that we want. We don't get the comfort that we want. We don't get the trouble-free life that we want. We don't get the perfect kids that we want. We don't get justice for evil that we want. We don't get the payback that we want. On Tuesday, I talked to a friend of mine in Dallas I've known for 20 years, 21, 22 years, something like that. I did his wedding right after he got back from Iraq as a Marine, a gunner. And he told me, Jeff, I got ALS. I just got diagnosed today. He's 42 years old. He has four kids. Life is not fair. God is hidden. God is missing. After these things, King Xerxes promoted Haman, not Mordecai. So most of us are experiencing the same thing right now, right? Together, simultaneously, at once. What are we experiencing? Esther chapter 3 says, we are all experiencing the same thing. Life is not Haman is not well-liked. Look at verse 2. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. Well, why did they do this? For, God's in the grammar, for the king had so commanded concerning him. So here you have the second most powerful man in all the world. 
and he needs help to be respected. Right? There needs to be a law that requires respect for him. He's not a well-liked dude. The story really gets interesting when Mordecai refuses to obey that law, to bow down to him, right? So you know the scene is set, right? The drama is set. Verse 2, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. So now we have drama because now Haman presents himself at the king's gate. You need to think of a huge pavilion to entryway into the king's palace. You need to think football fields. And so this is where all the important people do important business. And just to emphasize that, this whole area is lined with massive stone statue lions. The trumpets blast. Everyone hits the dust. Faces fall to the earth. Everyone except one man. And now we're all like, oh no. But Haman doesn't see him. <laughs> and we go, right? We hold our breath. He doesn't see him. We're relieved. But then we get another inside look. After that event, they go back in. The palace staff, they freak out. They're like, what's wrong with you, Mordecai? What's gotten into you? Are you crazy? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing this, right? And Mordecai explains. But they, the staff decides to run it by their boss, who's Haman, and they basically come up to him and say, say, sir, so about the bow mandate, is there a religious exemption to this bow mandate? So the next day, right, Haman walks out like a lion. The trumpets blast. Everyone hits the dust, and he starts with the left, and he moves to the right, and he sees him. There he is. Verse 5, and when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. The image here is of the sun. His fury was so bright, it was like the sun. His fury was so consuming and burning, it was like the sun. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. The word disdain means he raised his head above Mordecai. He raised his head above Mordecai's race in this toxic combination of superiority and hatred. So, as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom. In other words, Haman is a racist and a fascist. Haman is a preview of Hitler. He's a preview of Stalin. He's a preview of Lenin. He's a preview of Mao. He's a preview of Marx. He's a preview of Pol Pot. He's a preview of every endless, small, coward, dictator, and warlord that's ever walked this earth. Life is not fair. We get what we don't want. We don't want to be abused verbally, physically, racially, sexually. Uh, we don't want to be controlled 
by force, by lies, by shame, by manipulation, by condemnation and accusation, by being canceled. We don't want broken relationships. We don't want stress. We don't want anxiety. We don't want depression. Life is not fair. God is hidden. God is missing in action. Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Most of us are experiencing the same thing right now, universally so, simultaneously at the same time. Esther 3 says we are all experiencing life is not Haman, the Hitler, like Hitler and Heinrich Himmler, 2,500 years later, plots mass murder, genocide of a whole human race. What's his plan? Well, first he consults. There's a popular strategy in those days. The ancient world had this popular strategy to try to control their world. It was called casting lots. This was a way in which they perceived to have control. They thought that there was the casting of lots. There was actually, for many of them, and I would bet for Haman as well, that there was a connection between the lots and the supernatural that went through the stars into the demonic realms. In Harry Potter, it was a potion called Fel Fe Felix Felicius. Remember, liquid luck? This is the same kind of thing. It's just trying to have some liquid luck. He wanted a lucky day. And so, in verse 7, in the first month, on which was the month of Nisan, the twelfth year of King Xerxes, they cast purr, that is, they cast lots before Haman, day after day. In other words, they're trying to find the lucky day. They're trying to find the day to do it. And it lands on the twelfth month, which is the month of Adir. So the lucky lot says, do it in the twelfth month. So in other words, Haman has a year to prepare. The Jews have a year to live. The next scene is ripped right out of the headlines. It's like ripped right out of today's headlines. There's big egos here. You've got what we would call today narcissistic disorder. You have people being obsessed with themselves. You have self-absorption in your importance, being so self-absorbed and you needing respect, so self-absorbed and you needing to be recognized and worshipped, so self-absorbed in your own kingdom, so self-absorbed with your own image, so self-absorbed with your own race. There's power here. Ripped right out of the headlines, what's going to happen next? Power, like it's heroin. Everyone's addicted to it. Obsessed with it. It's like if Golem was here, he'd say, it's your precious. And then there's corruption here. There's lies, big propaganda Big media going everywhere, spreading <laughs> lies. There's dark deals behind closed doors. There's conspiracy. There's bribery and greed. I mean, there's no restraint of evil. There's no promotion of a just social order. And when you put all of it together, it's all there. Evil. Now, all this evil is not the shocking part. This next scene, it's not the corruption, it's not the evil, it's not everything we just said that's so shocking. You know what's so shocking? The normalcy of it. They sat down to drink. 
just plotted to wipe out hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. They sat down to drink and have some tea. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there's a certain people scattered, verse 8, abroad and dispersed among the peoples and all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people. True. That's true. And they do not keep the king's laws. That's false. So that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. Uh, big false. Uh, you're actually in love with one of them. She's your wife. And another one saved your life. I'd say that's pretty profitable. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. Now, Xerxes hasn't even asked who the they are yet, right? That are so deserving to be wiped off the face of the earth. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver, that's half the gross national product in the year, into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasury. Well, I guess the they doesn't matter now, right? He got his money. So the king took a signet ring, you know the drill, and then the king says to Haman, the money's given to you, the people also do with them as it seems good to you, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. Of course they did, because, you know, planning a holocaust is incredibly stressful. That last line, that the city of Susa was thrown into confusion, that's the only sane, true, real line in the whole passage. Everything else is pure insanity. Everything else is pure, like, delusion. Life is not fair. We feel so helpless before dark powers beyond our control, right? The dark power of fear is trying to swallow us up right now. The dark power of politicizing the pandemic is trying to swallow us up right now. The dark power of media activism is trying to swallow us up right now. Journalism has left the building, folks. The dark power of a culture war is trying to swallow us up. The dark power of racial strife is trying to swallow us up. The dark power of a false race doctrine is trying to swallow the church up. Political power, political corruption is trying to swallow us up. Life is not fair. God is hidden. God is missing in action. Look at verse 3. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? He, Mordecai, told them why. I'm a Jew. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Mordecai? What the is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? What's gotten into you? What's happening to you, Mordecai? Why are you different now? Why are you changing now? I'm a Jew. I belong. I am seen by God. I am known by God. I am loved by God. I am forgiven by God. I am accepted by God. I belong to God. Two times in chapter 2, 
Verse 10 and 12, we read, Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. <laughs> we, are seeing, we are seeing something incredible, y'all. We are seeing something absolutely breathtaking happening in Esther 3.3. We are seeing the hidden God. We are seeing the missing God in verse 3. God shows up in verse 3. What changed Mordecai? What changes you and me? What changes big egos? What changes narcissists? What changes culture warriors? What changes those addicted like heroin to power? What changes racial strife? What changes racial confusion in the church? What changes evil and justice, sex trafficking, systemic murder of babies? What changes it? The answer is found in Xerxes' words in verse 11. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also. Do with them as it seems good to you. Do you see it? Do you see it in the text? It's unbelievable. It's breathtaking. It will suck all the air out of the room. The people, the people are not Xerxes to give People belong to God. The people belong to God, not to Haman. The people belong to God, not to Xerxes. The people belong to God, not political powers. The people belong to God, not self-important leaders. The people belong to God, not a pandemic. The people belong to God, not culture chaos. The people belong to God, not a race People belong to God. And Mordecai has an awakening. Mordecai has an enlightenment. Mordecai has a revolution. Mordecai has a reformation. I belong to God. Life is not fair. But you belong to God. The Hamans of the world want you to fall on your face before them. The Hamans of the world want you to bow before them. But you belong to God. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God accepts you. God forgives you. So when everybody else falls down, you stand. So stand, people. It's time to stand. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Well, there's a real king, a cosmic king. And he said to all the dark powers at the cross, he said all to the four horsemen and they're riding the earth to and fro. He says to them, my son is given to you. Do to them as it pleases you. For these people belong to me. Life is not fair. But you belong to God. God. 